Welcome to the Leadership Launchpad Project, where purpose-driven leaders unite to change the game of life and business forever. Here are your hosts, Susan Hobson and Rob Kalvaroski. Welcome to the Leadership Launchpad Project. I'm Rob Kalvaroski. On this week's episode, Joe Peters, the Managing Director at MIQ Digital, joins the show to talk about MIQ's journey with Leadership 2.0. MIQ Digital has been an elite client for a few years, and they have seen some incredible results on their Leadership 2.0 journey, including both financial results as well as the results around people and well-being. So not only is Leadership 2.0 great for the business, it's also great for people. And I'm going to give you a few statistics to back that up. All of the statistics are in the podcast notes. And you can also head on over to the Elite High Performance blog on EliteHighPerformance.com to check out the rest of them. Here are some of the results. MIQ has a 35% increase in year-over-year revenue. MIQ's employee engagement is 83% versus a Gallup average of 34%. And with 41% of people looking for a new job within the next 6 to 12 months, according to Microsoft, MIQ reports only 18% which is less than half of average. So they have turned the great resignation into the great retention. And when the cost to replace someone can range anywhere from 30 to 400% of their annual compensation, that cost savings and business continuity just from retention makes the ROI of leadership program, leadership development positive. So it's an incredible result. They're getting happier people. They're getting higher performance from their people. And they're getting the business results to show from it. And so I'll leave you with a few questions. Can you afford your best people walking out the door? Can you afford the risk of your company, company's competitors overtaking you both in terms of revenue and in terms of taking your best people? And can you afford the risk that your employees are coming in and being disengaged? If you can't, we at Elite High Performance specialize in building high-impact leaders who turn their teams into happy high performers that achieve their goals. MIQ is an incredible example of how it plays out. And if you want those type of results, Head on over to EliteHighPerformance.com or you can send me a message, Rob at EliteHighPerformance.com and we can chat about how we can help you turn your team into happy high performers and how we can help you get the business results that come from that. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoy this episode. Joe really breaks down everything on his leadership 2.0 journey. And here it is, the interview with Joe Peters. We are back. Welcome to the Leadership Launchpad Project. I'm Rob Kalvaroski, and as always, the yin to my yang, Susan Hobson. Susan, how are you? I am 
fabulous and firing on all cylinders. It's finally sunny here in Toronto. And oh, yes, we are sitting on the precipice of a long weekend. So I got a little extra octane in my gas tank, but I have to say it's because I'm so excited to have our guest here today. One of my all-time favorite two-point leaders of them all. So yeah, let's get this party started. Let's get this party started. And I obviously, we have to start off with a quote. But of course we do. And so where I wanted to start everyone today is a quote from Buddha. And he says, no matter how hard the past, you can always begin again. Oh, I love that. Tell us why you picked that, that quote today for our audience, sir. It's something that has come up a lot recently around this concept of shattering your ego and beginning anew. Mm -hmm. And there's even a quote out there, I forget who it's from, but it's basically like you can begin anew every morning. Mm -hmm. Fresh, and clean slate of ice. That's what I loved about hockey the most. That's right. And that's, that's where I want folks to be at is doesn't matter what happened yesterday. It's all about right now. Mm -hmm. So, with that, we got the managing director at MIQ and special guest, Joe Peters. Joe, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, very well. It's hard to, hard to follow such, a, such an opening there, Rob. <laughs> I'm sure you're going to do a great job. And Joe, for everyone out there who's new to you, can you tell us a little bit about you? Yeah, um, I'm another Brit that's moved to Canada. There's quite a few of us here now. Uh, moved here about four years ago with my now wife. Um, we picked up a dog along the way, little Carlo, and most recently picked up a little little Canadian bubba boy, little Ziggy, <laughs> has, uh, has recently joined the family too. So we've got our own little Canadian and feel, yeah, very at home in Canada. Um, so it's been a it's been a great a great journey for us, and even through the pandemic, and it's you know it's been a great place to be. Um, born and bred in London, so kind of different vibes, you know, London versus Toronto, and we sort of made the most of it and explored Canada and. Yeah, I feel very at home here. And Joe, tell our audience a little bit about who you are in the working world at Team MIQ, leading the charge. I kind of just leaked it in the most 2.0 way, which I know we're going to dig into today for our peeps. But just tell our audience a little bit about Team MIQ and the mission that you guys are on in the world. Yeah, so I've been MD at MIQ Canada for, for the last year and worked in the business for about the last four years. And for those that don't know MIQ, we're, we're like a global business in digital advertising. So we plan, buy, analyze media buyers in partnership with ad agencies and brands. Um, and then, you know, more recently, we've, we've just been striving to sort of figure out our mission and our vision for our business, you know, globally, but also like trying to own it here in Canada too. Um, and, you know, some of the big areas we focused on is obviously like we want to grow. We want to continue this trajectory of growth that we've had, we've had as, as a business. We've had a really successful time of it since launching in Canada. We just want to continue that. Um, we want to continue to innovate. So innovating what we're delivering for, you know, our own customers and, and the partners that we work with and just sort of push the boundaries in what is, you know, a very fast paced industry. Um but none of that's really been possible or none of that could be possible without the focus we've had more recently on people. Um, and when we think about our people ambitions and our people vision, we talk about equity, we talk about flexibility and, and like probably the most favorite word of all the three that we sort of try and capture our vision 
is we try and be more human. And so that's been a big focus for us and just sort of planting that seed at leadership level all the way through the business. And then now, you know, just trying to make actions deliver on that promise. And, and it's kind of, it's the foundation. No, nothing can really happen without each other. We can't grow unless we innovate and unless we have you know great people in our business. We can't deliver for our people unless we're growing and innovating. And, and it's just all, you know, it's all quite a cyclical thing. Um, living in harmony together. <laughs> and maybe before we get more into, I want to pick your brain more about the human aspect, but before we get into that, what is leadership to you? Mm-hmm. I think um, if I like one word that's really sort of stands out for me is empowerment. Mm-hmm. And I think my, my sort of my old MO would have maybe not has been as much on the empowerment side of things, but the sort of, you know, you know, give me that, give me that, let me help you. I'll do that for you. I have this sort of mindset of like, you know, get it done quicker. I'll do a better job, you know, and, and in some way I'm helping, you know, the people that I might have the pleasure of, of leading. And I think that's like very much my old MO. And now this empowerment, you know, not only can these brilliant people around me like achieve great things, they'll do a way better job than me in so many different areas and just that opportunity for them to grow and develop. Um, just sort of flourishes instead of diminishes, you know, with, with that sense. Um, and so I think about like my role really now is just to make sure that, you know, the team, the people I work with, the broader business, they've got tools, they've got autonomy, they've got resources, they've got training. They know where the business is going. They know how they contribute to that. And they know what success looks like specifically for them. As long as all that's kind of in place, then boom, like, you know, we've got, We've got a wonderful sort of functioning team and, and just that em- empowerment sort of breeds through. Um, and I think about empowerment, not just necessarily in the workplace as well, Like there's also this empowerment sort of externally um, outside of work, you know, the empowerment to embrace your life outside of work. And, and that's probably also, you know, a big, a big sort of learning curve for me over the past few years as well. Um, and so, you know, leadership is, you know, this empowerment concept, um, empowering that balance of, of work and outside of work and actually being the example of that. So sort of practicing what you preach because it ain't no good unless, um, unless you're, you're sort of doing it yourself. Um, and I'd say all of that really with like a coming at it from a position of genuinely caring, like, like caring that the people in your business, the people that you work with actually get a chance to fulfill their potential. Um, and ultimately like work, you know, the, the experience at work is a rewarding um, thing for them. It's, it's a rewarding part of their life. Um, I think that, you know, that for me has been, has been sort of where I'm trying to take my leadership. And that's, that's the sort of leadership I've kind of garnered from, you know, other leaders around me to sort of try and reinforce to. I love it. I've been lucky enough to be riding shotgun on this journey that Joe has been on in his leadership for about three years, I want to say now, right? When the first time we met. Um, But yeah, so I happen to be privy to what inspired that transition that you just described. But of course, our audience is not, Joe. So would you mind sharing with them what some of that inspiration was for you? to go on that journey, first and foremost, in your own self-leadership, because that is, of, of course, where it starts. But then ultimately seeing that, yeah, there was tons of opportunity in your business. You guys were already on this steep growth trajectory, but 
taking the risk, right? To really step out and start to lead in this way that was maybe kind of a little bit new to you. Will you walk Mm -hmm. us through a little bit of some of that behind the scenes of that journey? Yeah, it's definitely been a journey, that is for sure. Um, Yeah, I think when we first met Susan, you sort of talked three years ago, that was probably about six months into my time at MIQ. That's right. Um, And I'd been acting like a bit of a magpie or, or I guess in kind of like a bit of a blue jay just sort of going around picking up shiny things like like little projects yeah. and just collecting them to sort of own you know I was sort of like lots of autonomy which is great but I was just sort of out there just going off and finding tons of projects to get stuck into and I think when we met um I was yeah, pretty frazzled you know it was like kind of this kind of achiever performer dichotomy I was very much kind of looking for my next win looking for my next like you know how can I get this satisfaction back of like delivering on something achieving something um and yeah I was, I was pretty frazzled like I'd, I think I'd, I'd had some peaks and troughs through my through my career and that's probably one of the sort of troughs of just not being in the right mindset not being in the right frame of mind to one probably deliver effectively but two certainly not to to lead you know people that I might that I might have been managing and or in the sort of you know leading indirectly um and so I'd say like when I look at some of the areas that I've been able to address, you know, working in partnership with yourself, Susan, um, certainly mitigating that burnout, you know, sort of understanding the signs and, and what I can do personally to sort of help me, you know, look after my mental health and, and sort of mitigate that, that kind of approach to burnout. Um, I did a lot of introspection too. Um, you know, my EQ kind of started with actually trying to understand my own mindset and where you know why I would feel positive or why I would feel negative and, and actually getting to the bottom of some of these things to really understand it and to really sort of make affect some change and I think that's helped me sort of play out some EQ in the workplace as well and getting a better understanding of where other people may actually be coming from as well and totally. um, came with a better better ability to sort of bank wins you know you talk about that achiever performer like I was always just searching for the next, you know, the next win, the next win, the next win without mm. necessarily understanding you know, banking it and like using it to build my confidence mm. as a leader, my confidence as someone that can, that can deliver within the workplace. And then like a really big one we always come back to, like personally, I'm, I'm always saying this now is the progression versus perfection. Mm-hmm. Definitely have been a perfectionist in the past. And it's just, yeah, it just gets in the way of getting shit done ultimately um as, as an individual but then um so that's sort of like a lot of the growth areas that i've sort of had the, the pleasure of going on personally uh, but then as a business i guess we've just sort of amplified that so you know to like a wider group of leaders within the business uh we've had new leaders join the business we've had people sort of you know promoted through the ranks into positions of leadership and we didn't want this to be a something that lives you know up in the, in the sort of, ivory you know, tower. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's bigger than that. And it's become bigger yeah. than that over the last few years, especially. And so we've, um, we've amplified this with lots of one-on-one coaching sessions across, across the team of, you know, the leadership team, the management team within our business. We've done a lot of group sessions um, mm-hmm. as part of, you know, offsites. Uh, we've, you know, in partnership with you, we've created like um, specific curriculums on bespoke topics like burnout mm-hmm. and how we can sort of mitigate and address some of those things. And, um, you know, some of those 2.0 strategies are now sort of permeating the entire business. And it's not a top, you know, it's not a top down thing. It's like a, it's not a bottom up thing. It's, it's just everything, you know, it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's become a way of 
a way of practicing leadership within our business, really. And for people out there, I feel like our audience sometimes struggles with connecting people strategy to the bottom line and the ROI, right? And making sure that this is actually driving business results. So like, how would you describe that? Because I kind of feel like that investment really paid off for you guys, didn't it? Right? Like we opened up a whole other territory of potential in our people. And so how did that connect to driving results in your business? If you could help us kind of make the case in, in regards to that piece. Yeah, I should have mentioned it before, actually, but just for me personally, a big like aha moment was actually understanding that I can produce better work. Like, I, I am more productive. I produce better quality work. I actually showcase myself and deliver more to the business when I do all of these, like when I look after my mental health, when I make sure mm. I've got work life balance, when I'm taking care of myself. Mm-hmm. My output is actually better and it's not, it's not working harder. It's working smarter. Um, mm. And I think that, you know, you amplify that across the entire business and it's the same thing. Like we, we do these things one, because yeah, it, it does deliver for our people and it creates that employee experience that we want to sort of raise the bar on, but it produces really, really good outcomes as a, as a business as well. Um and it's it's like it's tough in the early stages to put like exact numbers on on things, mm-hmm. um, but in in time we're we're definitely measuring retention. Um, we're definitely measuring like speed with which we can get very high high caliber candidates talent. into our business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, talent like the search for talent is such a such a big focus area right now, mm-hmm. um, and just overall productivity of like you know the the when I look at it now, like you can sort of take some broad strokes, but we've got. Our business has grown by, let's say, 25%, but our team has probably only grown by 10 to 15%. So there's, you know, there's, there's certain, certainly some, some kind of economies there playing out as, as a business too, and just that productivity um, and retaining talent, retaining knowledge within the business, having a, a growth opportunity for people. We're, we're having like a really, a really big year in terms of our like major sort of financial indicators. Um, I guess some, some less sort of quantifiable stuff, more, more sort of qualitative. Q4 is like a, is a big deal for, for mm-hmm. us. It's a, it's a big deal for the ad industry. It's like um, everything just goes loopy in Q4 and there's a lot of money comes into the marketplace, a lot of campaigns that need to be executed. Yeah. And basically we need to like deliver on that Q4 essentially with, with the same team that we kind of delivered Q1, two, three, where it might have been running at, you know, 60% capacity. Mm-hmm. Um and so it's in, in years gone by, it's been this kind of like, oh, my God, we're, we're approaching Q4. This is dread. This is like, this is going to be horrific. How are we going to get through this? And I think we probably did approach the last Q4 like that. But the experience we had as a business, we felt far more capable of dealing with it as individuals, as teams. Um, and it, and it, it didn't live up to the fears we, we'd had. And I think when we look to this Q4 now, we just feel like like a really robust business, um, and I don't think that fear is necessarily there anymore. It's going to be look. It's going to be different. It's, it's ultimately it's more it, it is it is more work to do, but we're just way better equipped to handle mm. it now. And that sustainability is just a, a big thing that's played out for us. Yeah, yeah that's, so it's been. Look, the, mm-hmm. Sorry, Susan. Go. 
That's the big, I think that's the biggest thing that I see, right? Because I've been working with you guys for several years and I've, I think sustainability was the big question mark, right? When I first came through the doors at Team MIQ because we hadn't yet gone on this journey. But coming down the pipe, pipeline last year in Q4, what we saw there is our capacity had grown so much, right? Our reserves were so much deeper. I mean, we went through personal adversity in terms of some of the stuff that we were experiencing because of the pandemic and some, you know, challenges with some of our people. And we were we were so resilient going through all of that. It was just to me as the coach watching from the sidelines, I think that was what really stood out to me the most. And that's the piece that I feel like is missing from the equation when everybody's trying to like business model this out, right? Is that we don't take our human capacity into account when we're crunching the numbers. That's it. Yeah. 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 I love that. Go ahead, Rob. Yeah. I just like, I want to talk about you, Joe. Like, I, I think it's really interesting. I mean, obviously we love the business numbers, and all that stuff. And I'm really, what I'm really interested in, and a lot of folks struggle with is the self journey and how that plays out. And for you, you mentioned like, now that you're doing some of the daily stuff to take care of your mindset and your health, that your productivity, or I guess your efficiency has been much increased. You want to talk a little bit more about that? Like, how has that played out? And then the other side of it is this journey about your own self-awareness and your own emotional intelligence. How is that playing out in changing how you relate to others? Mm. Yeah, for sure. Um, mm. Yeah, because, I mean, that last bit is definitely in work and out of work, actually. Um, yeah, totally. But, but more, more on, I guess, the self-journey. Um, I, I I would find that look, I, I you know work late nights and, and work weekends and, and just work longer hours and just cram lots of meetings in per I guess at the time in person um, mm. big big client meetings and and other meetings etc trying to lead a team at the same time um, and what I found is that you know I could I could have ten meetings in a day but not really show up to any of them by trying to you know what I mean like by, by trying to sort of be present in, in, in like in physicality I wasn't necessarily present in mind and wasn't able to prepare for meetings I wasn't able to kind of really um prepare in the ways that I'd, I'd want to know what I'm doing but also maybe give a bit of line of sight to whoever I may be speaking to if a client and or you know and or someone you know someone that I may be working with and leading um and so that I guess the understanding that you know I can't I can't operate like that. I need, I need, I need time in between. I need thinking time. I need to prepare, and I and I owe it to the team to actually show up in the meetings. Um, I owe it to them to be present, to to really you know make value of that thirty minutes or, or that hour session, um, and have them leave leave with you know the direction they need, um, the support that they need, um, be, just being there to kind of like. Uh, be present in that meeting and not thinking about that one that's going to, you know, oh, in 10 minutes, I'm going to be in another meeting. So that was a big thing for me. And then just leaving like time outside of work. Um, I think it's been even more paramount with a child now. And I think mm -hmm. it kind of forces your hand a little bit too. <laughs> um, you, totally. you know, and, uh, and working from, I think working from home has probably helped me establish more boundaries. 
Um, but even prior to the pandemic, there were these new practices coming in. Like um, for me, it's like exercise is really important. Um, not not working late evenings, actually getting to spend time with my wife and, and now my son. Um, they just sort of create a far more sort of rounded life experience that sh- it shows up in work. You know, it shows up in work because I just feel more balanced. Um, I feel like just ready to go. Uh, whereas before I'd have probably just been turning up and being like, I'm not ready to go, but let's do it anyway. <laughs> let's, you know, let's get, let's get through this week. And and it's funny cause you, you can get stuff done and like you do achieve stuff. Yeah. Um, but it's just not, it's not optimal. It's not sustainable. Yeah. It would get to the point personally for me. Um, and this is even prior to prior to moving to Canada, I'd get to Christmas and there's, you know, this sort of two week break. I'd be sick, guaranteed. I'd be knockout sick in that two two week period because my body would stop. I didn't have that kind of work, you know, revving the engine um, yeah. to, to max capacity, and my body would be like, "All right, screw, screw you." You've, you've we got no bath. capacity left. Which <laughs> would be the last twelve months. You're yeah. mine now. Pay the piper. So, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Sorry, sorry, Rob. What was the what was the second question again? Yeah, just just how the self awareness and your emotional intelligence personally plays out with your interactions with everyone else. Yeah, I am. Um, I guess I'm a bit of a bit scientific, bit of a geek, um, and so I literally just went and started to study the human brain um, and uh, emotional intelligence. A, a book that was recommended, maybe even by you, yeah. Susan, or, or by, mm-hmm. certainly by someone. Um, which is just like the, the kind of the nuts and bolts of how your brain works. Mm-hmm. Um, and that for me is kind of like, that's how I like to learn. I want to know mm-hmm. exactly what's going on. Um, and it was just like, oh, shit. That's, <laughs> oh, that's why I do that. Well, that's why I do this. And it's you just like this like. The light's on. Had, the light is on. Yeah, you've, yeah. You've had this, this dark, dark room. Yeah. Shit's going on in that you don't really know what's happening. Then you shine a light and you're like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, and you yeah. Start, you know, it's like you go back to childhood and just how you've been raised. And it's just, you know, just how the times have sort of changed. But, you know, I haven't, if, if you know what I mean, or I hadn't. Um, and I was working with some real old kind of techniques of, you know, very emotion and, mm-hmm. um don't you know don't dwell on things it'll be you know stiff up a lip classic mm-hmm. grip, stiff stiff up a lip sort of stuff yeah um which is definitely like how i'd how i'd been sort of raised to deal with stuff um and so just shining a light on all of that just helped me to you know grow personally in terms of like my emotional intelligence um and that's that's like i say that's played out in work and it's played out outside of work as well just like more open conversations with my wife um more like you know meaningful she she's polar opposite to me she's like heart on a sleeve you know exactly what she's thinking good or bad um, yeah. whereas I was you know obviously the polar opposite of that but we've we found ways to sort of meet and convene around like Aww, you know mean, meaningful that. connectivity meaningful communication where I'm like feel far more comfortable sort of sharing my emotions etc and I think it's um from a work capacity it's like it all comes down to vulnerability and mm-hmm. um, and just like showing vulnerability like everything most things that um, people may be going through, you, you, you've definitely got the ability to empathise with, with what they're, they're, they're going through, but you, you've probably also got a, a comparable experience in a lot of cases. And mm-hmm. I think in, in, in the work environment, especially just like surfacing 
where you know where I've kind of resonated with some of what they might be going through now where I've resonated with that in, in the last 16 years or maybe even you know right now because there's a lot of worldwide context going on that we're all you know we're all sort of feeling we're all sort of part of and mm-hmm. so I think um yeah leading leading with a bit of vulnerability creating a safe space psych safety has been like big focus for us and we want to sort of progress in within the business um and I think going on that educational journey helped me to sort of then play it out um in in the workplace and and sort of you know change some of my behaviors permanently you know almost a rewiring think as as you talk about Susan of the old brain. Isn't it so great that you decided to go on all that journey in preparation for what you did not know was coming down the pipeline in terms Mm. of the last two years adversity, which we've been talking a lot about on this show. It's why we started this mission here at the Leadership Launchpad Project. We see this as when the world needs this more than ever, navigating all that disruption. Um, But yeah, this this is also a theme we've been talking a lot about is this great resignation thing that has been happening throughout the last two years, right? And even up until this point, it's a feeding frenzy for talent right now out there. So we're curious how all this leadership 2.0 stuff you guys have been doubling down on, yes, even through the adversity, has really shown up towards that, you know, great retention is what we're reframing it to mean mm-hmm. or to be called. So what are some of those? results that you have seen or some of the strategies that you've engaged in proactively that have really helped you to retain your people through all of this yeah and um, well, we called out one of them like sort of empowering people to mitigate burnout like we were, mm. we, were literally, we were literally losing people permanently mm-hmm. um to, to burnout it was like i'm burnt out i don't think i could ever not be burnt out working in this business working in this role therefore mm-hmm. i'm out Mm-hmm. yeah and so ad- addressing that like broadly mm-hmm. across the business um again with the broader context of everything that's going on in the world it's not i don't think it's easy for any company right now um to sort of you know to, to deal with everything that's going on in work out of out of work but we did like really wanted to empower people to sort of mitigate that and just just look after the mental health um we put an even bigger focus to, even on like classic things like reward and recognition personal development career growth giving feedback receiving feedback um, you know, it's classic stuff, but it's pretty effective and, and you can you can do better yeah. at some of that, some of that sort of stuff. Um, I think the fle- the flexibility has been a big thing for us. Like it's it's made it into our like, you know, our people vision, flexible, equitable, human. Um, that flexibility piece it was probably born from like, you know, future of work and hybrid working circumstances, the ability to work from home, ability to work in the office meaningful connectivity like creating this environment where different people can take what they want and there's that optionality around well actually i'd rather be in the office five days a week and actually i'd rather not be in the office at all ever um that doesn't you know but creating a space where people can take what they want and and still thrive within the business still feel included still get an equitable opportunity you know within within the business so we've had a lot of focus on that. I'd say it's it's still early days, though. I mean, still kind of like figuring it out. But mm-hmm. so far, it's you know we see fantastic talent coming into our business. Mm-hmm. Our ret- our retention levels are higher than we had anticipated. Um, mm-hmm. So all signs are all signs are good now, and I, I'm even more positive because I know that there's so much more we can be doing, and it's still like in the grand scheme of things, it's really early days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And the engagement has stayed 
stayed so high too. I just wanted to add that, like, because I kind of feel like I've been keeping my eye on that in terms of where we're stacking up according to the industry standards. And our engagement yeah. has been really strong through all of this adversity, which is a huge indicator of all of that. I don't. I don't want to jinx it, but we did. We've. We've. Um. We. We live and breathe a little bit by our engagement survey that goes out every six months. Yeah. And we really we hold ourselves accountable to the results. I know you do. Um. You know, for good and for bad. And uh, yeah, we like in terms of our people ambitions, we put some like big, strong measures in there, which are like that they play out by like how we do in this engagement survey. Mm-hmm. Um. And yeah, it's been it's been trending in the right direction. I, I feel really good. That it will, like I said, I don't want to jinx it. We don't know the results yet, but I feel I feel really good about how it's going to play out now. I, it's like that gut feeling. I hope I get like a really good gut check from from the results. But the gut feeling is that yeah, like we're we're, we're robust, we're sustainable. People are in a great mindset. We've still got a journey to go on, mm-hmm. but we're moving. We're, we're, the trajectory is in in the right direction. You know. Mm-hmm. I second that. I, I love it, and it's it's funny, right? You talk about like the nuts and bolts stuff about like giving, receiving feedback and praise and, and literally I was listening to our future guest, actually Russ Laraway yesterday on a podcast. And he was talking about, he's actually quantified all of that with Qualtrics. And he found that literally giving praise was one of the number one markers for people to value their manager. And then also that career conversations was the number one predictor of people staying with a company. And so it's like incredible that it's stuff that we kind of knew, but finally we're we're starting to see actual statistics and data Mm -hmm. about it because it's something that I have always wanted. And I know a lot of my my technical folks out there like it too. Absolutely. And I think, you know, when I was talking about the, um, like trying to do 10 meetings in a day and you've got client meetings mixed in with one-on-ones, those one-on-ones, you know, that is where recognition comes through. That's where feedback comes through. That's where development comes through. And if you're not in a capacity to show up to that, you're just not, you're just not going to do it. And it just falls by the wayside because of this, you know, other big priority or just trying to cram too much in. So I think it's like, it's nuts and bolts and it's fundamentals, but I think, unless you sort of create that space and time it just got yeah just sort of it goes it doesn't it doesn't happen um anywhere near as much as it should yeah it's hard to be present when you're burnt <laughs> right like it's hard to <laughs> to lead engagement with your people if you're not engaged <laughs> like seems to make common sense right again we we know all of these things so why is it so hard joe why is it so hard for leaders especially leaders right now who are up against it because their talent is walking out the damn door and not looking back over their shoulders why is it so hard for them to go on this journey and double down on the people centric approach i guess it's a bit of a leap of faith that people haven't necessarily taken yet um but i, t- I t- talked about my mentality was just understanding that results are better you know if you can adopt this 2.0 um mm-hmm. approach to leadership and it's like that's a big that's a, that was a big driver for me you know I, I care deeply about people but i also care about having like a sustainable business that because mm-hmm. it's like you can't you can't really deliver on one without the other mm, exactly you need both and so clocking that and like understanding that has just allowed me to sort of just like full steam ahead basically on all of these things that would have been a little bit 
I don't know, wishy-washy is not the right term, but they just wouldn't have got prioritized right. otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, and so putting our people ambition up there with our commercial ambition on an equal footing, um, if not greater, it's like, you know, it's like a foundation, it's like a foundational thing. Um, but it's been easier to do that as a business and to get, you know, broad alignment with our management team and just the business in general on this approach, because not only does it create this amazing environment for our people, which we're all going to benefit from, mm-hmm. um, like the results are going to be better and we're going to grow quicker and we're going to be more sustainable and we're going to be more future-proof and we're going to deliver better work and our clients are going to be, you know, all of these things just happen as a result of it. Um, and so, yeah, for, for me, clocking that, believing in that has allowed me to just like, you know, personally go like full steam ahead and, and it's just allowed the business to go full steam ahead. I guess, um, it, is it a leap of faith or is it just like spending a bit of time to fully understand it before, mm-hmm. you know, before then sort of going full steam ahead? Um, it didn't, it, I guess it didn't really feel like a leap of faith for me personally, because I, I just, I could see how it can play out really positively and I can, I can see the benefits and I can take some of the short term benefits, but actually see like bigger picture of long term benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, yeah, I guess a few companies and, and leaders have to go on that journey. What, do you know what though? One thing I would say is that um, the bit, our business, it's like 100 people or approaching 100 people. So in the grand scheme of things, it's like, it's, yeah, medium size, but not huge. Mm-hmm. And so enacting change within our business, maybe it's been a little bit, you know, a little bit easier to do based on, based on our size. Um, but then, you know, the argument is, well, if your business is even bigger, it's even more paramount. You, you sort of start making some of these changes. Mm-hmm. That's exactly where we need to go with that. <laughs> and Joe, you sort of did the research and you created the belief. Mm-hmm. What would you say to leaders out there who haven't done that work yet and are still skeptical that this is the right way to go? I guess there's no shortage of resources um, these days, right? It's uh, mm-hmm. it's quite it's quite a topic, you know. The fact that we're talking about it now, and, and the fact that you, you know you guys have a have a business focused on helping leaders sort of make make these changes. Um, it's ju- it's just, I guess, can you amplify the urgency a little bit? Can um, it's because the urgency is only increasing. Um, one because it's yeah it's good for business and, and you, you sort of you'll see winners and losers in in a, a sort of a business sense. Um, but two, if you just look at like the generational changes of who's coming into the workplace, the old way of working, the new the new way of working, or, or just the beliefs people come in with. Um, mm. I sort of find myself kind of in the middle. I've I've had sixteen years um, in the business, and I've I've been. I've certainly had leaders that have been a bit more 1.0 in, in, in style. Um, and, and I've seen more recently, like people coming into the business that it's just not going to, like, that's not going to be what they need. Uh-huh. Um, it's uh-huh. not going to create a thriving environment for them. And like, it is the way of life. Like this generation of people will slowly but surely become the, uh, the majority, majority. Our, yeah, within our business. And, and so like, you need, you just need to adapt and you got to adapt. You might as well adapt sooner rather than later because it's ultimately better for, you know, for business, it's better for people in general. Um, and it's just ultimately like what is expected. Um, so yeah, hiring, retaining, 
you're not going to do that unless um, unless you sort of advance in a lot of these areas like DEI, psych safety, mental health, like just you know overall flexibility to to elite, you know to allow productivity. Um, it's just yeah, even even more even more paramount. It's only going to become more so. Yeah, the more companies pop up like yours, right, which they are because of the last two years, William was saying this last or this week on our show, actually, right? Like this pandemic has actually accelerated us towards the future of work, which I definitely want to dig into a little bit with you. It's so cool, right? We've we've gone through this transition of trying to figure out what does work look like today in 2022 after going through all of this working from home stuff. And you guys have created the hybrid model, right? So you guys come together for these significant touch points, right? Um, I think quarterly is what we landed on for that, right? Um, in, in, in terms of the Unite Week is what we're calling it. And then, uh, yeah, like for the people who want to be at the office or feel like they need to connect with their teammates live, come on in. This is your day. And those who don't, it's cool. You're still going to be included in what you need to be and what we're doing. So I love it, right? Because to me, it's like, that was the future of work that maybe we were talking about pre-pandemic. So now that's here. What do you see as being the future of work now? Yeah, I gotta ask. Is that like the first few months um, of the pandemic? It was. It was like in the UK, we'd say it was squeaky bum time. Which basically, I don't know if that translates at all here. What does it like, mean? <laughs> what does it mean? Ima- ima- imagine. Um, I'm going to say a football manager. You know yeah. what I mean when I say when yep, I say football, right? Of course. Like a, a football manager is sat on sat on the bench. And his team are two one up, and it's like the dying minutes of the game, and it's like squeaky bum time because it's like oh, so close, so close. But the, the, those nerves, yeah. yeah, 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 totally. The nerves that are coming through. Oh like, my god, oh, I get it. Yeah. So <laughs> when the pandemic sort of kicked off, it was like, oh my god, what is going to happen here? Squeaky bum time, <laughs> a lot of unknowns. Um, but the bit, the, you know, what the business dealt with it. Like globally, the business dealt with it really, really well, and quite quickly, it became clear that we weren't just going to survive, but actually there was a real opportunity to thrive in, in the, in the circumstance, even with the pandemic sort of fully, you know, fully raging, raging and, and people working from home, et cetera, et cetera. So I guess um, we took an opportunity just to like push forward with a number of areas that can sort of propel us even further. I sort of called some of them out before, but, you know, DEI, psych safety, mental health, and, and just trying to get a grasp of, creating an employee experience that is you know all-encompassing this sort of lofty we've talked about it before this lofty employee experience like mm-hmm. what lives there well actually everything lives there so makes sense of that one yeah you know my, my favorite yeah. space the great uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and so yeah trying trying to make sense of that and then just like advance you know if we can make Fundamentally, if we can make our employees have a better experience within the business, that's only going to be better, only going to be good for everyone, you know, business and and everyone within the business. Um, and so all of these different areas of focus, just trying to like propel them forward, propel us forward to create this sort of longer term sustainability as a business. Um, and part of that is, you know, the kind of hybrid, flexible working um, scenario. Um you know, for, for me personally, I get to feed my son breakfast in the morning um, and I get to, you know, instead of a 10 minute tea break, I'll go and hug my son for 10 minutes. You know, <laughs> who's, who's, who's going to give who's going to give that up? He's going to, 
you know we've 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 the pandemic has just accelerated probably the way things were going to pan out mm -hmm. um and we're trying our best to just set ourselves up optimally because we want everyone to have flexibility and optionality but we want the, whatever you choose we want you to have that same high caliber employee experience we want you to feel included we want you to have an equitable experience within the business um and that's difficult not gonna lie that's that's really hard when uh -huh. you've got different needs that need to be satisfied uh -huh. um and you, and you, you know you can only invest so much in lots of these different sorts of things that, that we might want to try and do um but I'm, i feel really good about like where we're heading and just making more sense of it um and knowing like what's important to our people and um, you know a big thing that's sort of come up i don't think it's because of the pandemic necessarily um but probably like work you know what's going on in the world in general and again just that kind of like generational change and um, in terms of people coming into the workplace it's just this profit with a purpose mm. and tell just, our people about that what does that mean just people don't want to just some people some people do want to just turn up get a paycheck to go and support their family and that's like that's yeah. that's for them is what is what they need but more and more we're seeing people just you know what's miq's take on x y and z kind of like really meaningful world issue that mm -hmm. that we can have an impact on in some way shape or form when mm -hmm. we think about dei there's um certainly dei within our workplace Mm -hmm. and ensuring that we're sort of you know pushing the boundaries of diversity equity and inclusion specifically as miq the employer but then there's miq the um the service provider you know we we, we ultimately we sell we sell a product um to to customers and there are dei considerations in and around advertising you know like uh there, there are certain biases that may play out as it relates to targeting um, of certain you know certain individuals and or messaging that you know may be sort of skewed in one way shape or another and, and represent some kind of bias so okay, we're yeah. we're not just trying to like push the boundaries of dei as, as it relates to us as an employer but we're actually trying to move the needle on like the ad industry uh -huh. in general and and try and you know try and make sure that we can we can mitigate some of these biases that, that may that may have historically shown up or, or still show up today um, and so that represents like a good opportunity for, you know, for, for our, for our people to actually get involved in something that can make a positive change. Um, and another area that's sort of go on about it, but another area is like sustainability in terms of, um, like carbon footprint, right. like the ad industry has got a fairly big carbon footprint as it turns mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. Um, and so giving, uh, giving brands and giving, um, agencies and all parties involved really just giving them the opportunity to understand their carbon footprint and actually the ability to optimize a more you know a less impactful carbon footprint and and actually offset some of that carbon footprint again is just like it's a nice way of combining this you know this purpose something that actually has an impact to the world with the fundamentals of, of what we do which is you know we we run advertising campaigns for for, for clients um so that's been that's been really important and i think we'll, we'll do a lot more of that moving forwards too i love it the the data actually funny enough joe the data backs that up too so there's a recent research out from adam grant who's a professor at uh, upenn and he says that when individuals experience the impact of their work 
they're 142% more productive and organizational revenue increases by 172%. Bam! Happy days. Happy days. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not just what you're seeing. It's literally yeah. real. <laughs> Fast Company came out in January with a huge article on how 2022 is the year of purpose in business. So I think we're obviously super aligned. You guys are trying to change the way the game is being played in the ad industry. And from an employee experience perspective, which is kind of game changer, just saying, just like we're here, right, buddy? Try to change the way the game of life business be played forever with this leadership 2.0 stuff. Joe, before we get you out of here, we have to, we got to pull out the big guns. We got to ask you our favorite question of them all what do you want your legacy to be? The legacy of all this incredibly game-changing work that you're leading in the world right now. What do you want it to be? Um, I've thought about this recently and, and in the past. Um, and where, where my head's at right now is that like that legacy is, um, is seeing the next leaders like within this business or, or any other business um, seeing the next leaders kind of come through and you know it's not it's it's taking what we might be trying to achieve now and like taking it to the next level like do a way better job than than I than I have ever done or will ever do and so for me it's like it's really just seeing like seeing the next rung of, of leaders just come through and, and sort of like reflect back and and you know when I'm on my penguin farm surfing in portugal somewhere just be like yeah oh, they are smashing it right now god this is like look at what these people are achieving that would that would be uh like the biggest legacy for me and like in the in the, in the some of it boils down to like where we've kind of netted out with this like people vision and, and people mission equi- equity equity flexibility being more human like if i can play a role in that along with all the other fantastic leaders within our business just play a role with like establishing that so that it doesn't just like peter out mm-hmm. over the years but it's like it's got you know it can it can longevity. iterate and it can yeah longevity and it can iterate and it can improve but it like it fundamentally lives and is held up by the whole business and every leader within this business um because i like feel really we feel really strongly about it and it's like it came from a position of giving a shit and it and it's something we care passionately about and so if it were to lose steam with inevitable changes that will come in, you know, over the years, that would be, that would be a re- real shame. And, and I'm committed to, you know, one, one part of the legacy is definitely being committed to making sure that that doesn't happen. I love it. Joe, you're definitely a 2.0 leader. And for folks out there, if anyone wants to connect with you or find out more about what you're doing or MIQ is doing, where can they find you? Like LinkedIn is probably about as close as to a social network as I get, for whatever reason. Didn't uh, join the bandwagon back in the day, but yeah, I'm I'm on LinkedIn personally. As a business, like we're we're across the globe, offices across North America, Europe, and Australia, etc. Um, so yeah, very very reachable, very contactable, and yeah, would would love would love to hear from anyone really. Awesome. So yeah, we'll drop Joe's. LinkedIn in the podcast notes. And for folks out there, you can head over to miq.com for more info there. And we'll drop that in the podcast notes as well. For us, obviously, hit subscribe to Leadership Launchpad Project on your favorite podcast platform and head on over to elitehighperformance.com for any Leadership 2.0 
consulting, coaching, speaking, and all other services. Susan, is there anything you want to leave us with today? I am just having kind of a moment over here. I got to say, it's. I still remember being out in, I think we were in Prince Edward County in this little meeting room, just talking about a lot of these things maybe for the first time. And now here we are three years later, post-pandemic, describing these types of results. Joe, thank you so much for coming in and helping us make this case for Leadership 2.0. You guys are definitely one of my favorite testimonies. This is this is why we do what we do, right, buddy? Well, th- well thank you for uh, thank you for having me on and just yeah, all the support over the years of making a lot of this happen. So, thank you, Susan and Rob. So much fun, Joe. Honestly, so much fun and so fulfilling. Which is again why we believe so passionately in the power of Leadership 2.0. Kind of says it all, folks. And for me, it's something we've heard a few weeks in a row now. Just give a shit. And we heard it from Kim Scott, and we heard it from Joe. And that's where it starts. And it starts with just giving a shit about yourself and turning the light inward on you and learning about yourself. And that's when you can hit the switch. And once you start to see that, you can see it in everyone else around you. And that's where the ripple starts to happen. And Joe did that for himself and it rippled into his business. And he told us about the results, better retention, higher engagement, more profits, more productivity. And it's only growing. If that wasn't enough, I don't know what is. (laughs) Joe, thank you so much for joining us today. And everyone listening, thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you all next week. Bye, everyone.